God's Love Language, a podcast designed for Christian discipleship with emphasis on developing our relationship and fellowship with God. Now, here is our host, Joe Enlow. Greetings, folks, and welcome back to another episode of God's Love Language with Joe Inlow. I am your host, Joe, and I want to say a special hello to all of my friends in the wonderful state of Ohio. Ohio has a great state motto. It's, it is, with, that, with God, all things are possible, and that's cool. Ohio has the second greatest number of listeners to my podcast after the state of Texas, so hello to my loyal listeners in the cities of Cincinnati and Dayton, and to those in Newberry, Center, Middleton, Franklin, Huff, and Cleveland area, Columbus, and Toledo, and Heath. Thanks for listening. And if you're enjoying this podcast, spread the news about it to your friends and family. I've never been to Ohio, but I hope one day I'll be able to go there. Remember, if you visit our website or send me an email, we will never ask you for money or to join a mailing list. And it will remain that way as long as God allows and provides. Thanks for listening, and I hope you were blessed by what you learned. We're on episode 24, which is part four of our teaching on the most important relationship you can have, your relationship with God. I call it the individual relationship. And it's this, the first part of this series began in episode 21. Like I said, this is number 24. This entire podcast is devoted to preparing you to eventually have a family that will advance the purpose of God, even if you are persecuted for your beliefs. That is why it's so important to follow God out of your own free will. It humbles you, opens you up to receiving the blessings of God, and allows you to become as much like Jesus as humanly possible. Each concept or truth that you learn becomes part of your personality, part of your character, and then your life affects others, and so on. You become the representation of God as a walking, talking human being. The attributes and characteristics of each office of the fivefold ministry, the teacher, pastor, evangelist, prophet, and apostle, will be needed to navigate the world in which we live as a Christian. We will learn from each so that you can reach your maximum potential as a Christian. We will learn the core characteristics of each office, things every Christian should know and have as part of their Christ-like personality. You need them to grow, to become a fruit-bearing disciple and to reach your full potential. You will need them to move to the next stages of the five basic relationships, especially marriage or the couple and raising children or the parent. You may be asking how these characteristics and attributes help you become successful in every aspect of your life here on earth. It is because God ordained them. They are true keys to successful Christian living, and you will learn them, apply them, polish them, and use them daily. The psychological and neurological principle, principles involved with this first lesson are centered around this phrase. To teach you once is to have learned it twice. In other words, when you apply what you have learned by teaching it or acting it out, you must first study it again which in turn causes you to learn it more in depth, causing it to move into your long-term memory and the creation of new neural pathways, and then they manifest through your personality and characteristics. You may be asking why these characteristics and attributes. 
Here's the answer. God used these offices to build the foundation of his church. Three of them continue to be fully active today. Ephesians 4, 11, 16 says this. He gave some as apostles and some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the service to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man to the measure of the statue which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of of the body for the building up of itself in love. And the same could be said or can be found uh, in other verses like Corinthians 12, 28, where it talked about God appointed offices of people with certain talents, attributes, and characteristics. Another way, say, another way to say gifts so that the church could be established and can you continue to grow throughout the years, including today. So it's all about helping the church continue to grow and get stronger and make the body stronger. If we pinpoint some of those characteristics and apply them in our lives, we will naturally gravitate towards our gifting and strengths and at the same time continue to build the church of God. Then it gets stronger and more effective, the church does. You cannot stay a baby in the Lord. You must grow Learn and give back just as you do in everyday life. Your parents shouldn't let you do that. Just sit around and do nothing, play games all the time, and you, you never give back to society. That's what it's all about. That's what a healthy community does. It gets better with each generation. All right, the teacher. So let us begin with the office of the teacher. The teacher is the basic qualification for all the offices of the fivefold ministry. If you think about it, all of them need to be able to teach. Teachers, by definition, have something to teach. If you think about this statement, every parent will be a teacher to their children. More on that later when we talk about parenting. Teachers should have the attribute of being humble and open to wisdom and revelation from God, whether directly or through another person. I've learned a godly principle or two from an unbeliever just by them questioning a statement I made or challenged me on. God occasionally uses the unbeliever in the Bible to straighten out the believer. So, with that in mind, first and foremost, teachers must be humble and teachable. Godly teaching requires you to lower yourself and give to others and is a sign of maturity in Christ. I like to teach all I can so that God will raise up someone to take my place so that he will move me on to the next chapter in my life. I don't want to be I don't want to become stagnant. I want to learn as much as I can, about as much as I can, and that is the type of person I like to learn from, so I strive to be like that person. The more I learn, the more I realize there is so much more to learn. Let's look at some of the more of the attributes of a teacher. Second, the teacher's 
of the word are dedicated to their mission and calling from God. It is not a part-time job. It is their function as a member of the body of Christ. If they do have a job in the physical world, that job is technically their part-time job. And you can bet that they are teaching others while doing that job. They must. It is in their nature. They will be teaching the job skills needed to the people under them, as well as how to replace themselves so that they can be promoted. They will also be teaching them about God, whether through words or actions or both. Parents seem to spend all their time teaching young children that free giving attitude when you have, excuse me, that free giving attitude you have when you teach your children should be there when you teach anyone. Third, teachers also learn as much as they can from others through direct relationship with them or through formal education. If someone else has a gift, whether they are believers or not, learn as much from them as you possibly can. Teachers know that the more they learn, the more they can teach others. So teachers have a hunger to learn, and part of learning includes being curious and asking plenty of questions. People in my life have been amazed at how much I can learn about a person in in such a short period of time. But having been trained as a therapist, I know the best way to learn something about someone is to ask them the question. People love to talk about themselves, especially, even if they play hard to talk to at first. But if you show a genuine interest in the knowledge they have, most people will love or would love to share that with you. Try it. Fourth, the basic definition of a teacher is any person who teaches others. But we will add a caveat to that. That is, the Christian teacher must teach the truth as presented by the Word of God. To teach the truth of the Word of God, one must first learn something about the Word. That is why once you become a believer, you start the adventure of learning about the Word and the truths the Word reveals to us. You can do this through Bible study, self-study with books or online, or even going to seminary, which I like because you have other people giving you feedback. And anytime you can get feedback or talk to somebody that's supposed to know a little bit more than you, it adds to your learning experience. You should focus on the truth in the Word, the Bible, and then learn all that you can to build a firm foundation as you believe, as a believer. Some choose to study other religions before being grounded in the Word, and I found that it causes more confusion than benefit for an immature Christian. It's kind of like studying to learn about a counterfeit $100 bill. You can't try to learn about all the different counterfeit bills. New ones come out all the time. It is better to learn what the real $100 bill looks like. And then when you study it and when someone hands you a $100 bill, you can see that, well, something ain't quite right. You know that it's counterfeit. Remember, the best counterfeiters are the ones that contain the most truth. Fifth, teaching is a part of your everyday living. It does not have to be formal, although the basic definition would so indicate. You may be sharing with your spouse or answering a question of a child or a friend. If you do not know an answer, tell them and let them know you will find out the answer and get back to them. That action is also teaching someone how to handle the moment, that situation. Sometimes when we do not know the answer, we get angry and raise our voice trying to drive away the person asking the question. That is a sign that you have something that needs to be worked on. It could be a a patience problem. Uh, You're not humble enough. 
you're, you got an anger problem or something like that. But you should ask the Holy Spirit to show you what it is and fix it. You learn. Sixth, the teacher checks for understanding. I have learned that the same biblical passage can have slightly different meanings to different individuals depending on experience and age. I am a firm believer that the teacher is responsible to make sure their teaching is understood properly by making sure to get feedback from the one they are teaching. Make sure to pay attention to the nonverbals, you know, like their facial expressions. They'll tell you a lot. That will be, your nonverbals will be an indicator that someone does not fully understand what you're saying. Checking for understanding is also a sign of your genuineness and humbleness. If you believe yourself a great and mighty teacher, you will continue without checking for clarity, as if you did not care if they understood you. You will be held accountable for your quality of teaching by God. Make sure your message is accurate, true, and interpreted correctly. Seventh, teachers teach with grace and love the way you would like to be taught. Sometimes we want to do harsh corrective teaching, especially with our spouse or children. Harsh corrective teaching usually stems from our impatience or an anger problem. Always teach the way you would want God to do a corrective teaching with you. I remember my dad trying to teach me how to do some stuff. Man, he would he would lose his patience and scream and holler and it makes you just want to go away and, and not work with him at all. I know some of you have had those dads too. Maybe you need to, if you feel yourself getting ready to explode, maybe take some time to cool down and then come back to the teaching. Ask God to help you. That's part of learning. It helps you if you're not in a hurry or have a short tolerance for a slow learning curve like some of us do. Remember, we don't know what you know. Take your time. This also leads me to the eighth point. Teachers teach knowing the developmental and mental understanding of their audience. This applies to both maturational development and spiritual development. You must understand the developmental limits and needs of your audience. Many parents make this mistake when they become frustrated with their teenagers, which we will discuss more when we get to the parenting relationship. You must have the ability to relate to the audience, whether one or a thousand people. The spiritual level is also important. A new convert or someone with no religious knowledge will be taught differently than a more advanced disciple. There are those out there with cognitive impairments also, and there are limits to what children and teenagers can comprehend because of the developmental period. Being aware of that will help you prepare and save you a ton of stress and anger. I will point out more traits, teacher traits, as we go through each of the other relationships too, some of the things that you can teach, those that are specific to that relationship. Right now, I want you to be aware of some of the following pitfalls that can be made as a teacher. Be careful to not fall into this trap. The more one knows, the slower one grows. You think you know it all. You can't grow anymore. I have seen it with some of my professors and pastors, as well as some speakers I've seen on TV. The more expert one deems themselves, the less they are open to new and valid information. In psychology, we call it the confirmation bias principle. When this principle is at work, we more eagerly seek out and favor evidence verifying our ideas than evidence refuting them. In other words, 
confirmation bias is a tendency to search for information that supports our preconceptions and to ignore or distort contradictory evidence. Always be willing to allow a challenge to what you believe. If you if what you know is true, it will it will come out. Your point it will be verified, and you will learn. In the process, you'll learn what the latest challenges are to to your point. That's a good thing. You'll be prepared even more the next time. If they have a good challenge, though, and you really couldn't come up with an answer, you get to do some research to strengthen your argument, which is also a very good thing because you need to stay on top of it. Research is uncovering different ideas every day, especially in archaeology. They are finding more and more evidence to help support biblical stories, which is great. Another cognitive tendency that can lead us astray is known as belief perseverance. And it is what we tend to cling to. That's when we tend to cling to our beliefs in the face of contradictory or contrary evidence. A deeper, more troubling form of this is called pathological belief. That is clinging to a belief in something despite overwhelming truth or evidence to the contrary. Belief perseverance often fuels social conflict like we have today, especially in politics or even about the, the COVID thing. If you want to rein in the belief perseverance phenomenon, there is a simple remedy that exists. Consider the opposite point of view by imagining and pondering opposite findings. Run them through the mill and test them. In a Christian family, your learning should have begun in the home of your youth and as you grow up then you apply what you have learned as you mature into an adult slowly preparing yourself to enter a marriage relationship then when you begin your family you apply all the wisdom and knowledge you have learned there adding to it as you grow in those relationships if you can teach successfully in your own family you can teach anywhere teaching in the face of ridicule as many christians do in witnessing situations is also a great way to learn, or even when you come up against a family member who doesn't believe like you do. It will challenge you to learn your stuff, get your act together. It's a great adventure. When people see us, they should be able to understand the love of God by witnessing our actions. They walk with God, or excuse me, the walk with God is a character-building adventure. We are learning to be his imagers and more than our physical appearance. We begin the process within our own families and close neighbors. Jesus said the second greatest thing we can do is be willing to die for our friends or neighbor. And the greatest thing is to love God with all of our spirit, soul, and mind. And it is better to give than to receive all those things that kind of go against our sin nature. God set the example first. He gave us an opportunity to help him rule and reign in this world. He gave Jesus so that we could live. Jesus continued the example by freely giving his will up and doing the will of the Father and giving his life for us. If Is it any wonder that it feels so good to give, to help others, to teach others? It's God's nature in us to give and to help. Sometimes it feels like a natural high. We were created to give, but we were deceived into greed, which is our sin nature. I honestly believe every Christian is called to be a teacher. We are made in the image of God, and 
we look at how much teaching is involved in the Word. The Bible is around to teach us about God and the Trinity and why He desires relationship with us. It began with the Pentateuch, teaching us about His love, grace, and laws that revealed how He is set apart and holy and how He desires for us to be holy. It continues through the wisdom books, the Psalms, and the prophets. Job taught us quite a bit about seeing things through God's eyes. The New Testament taught us even more about the love of God, redemption, and how we are to belong to our Savior and our God, and how to get help from the Holy Spirit. You have to ask. Revelation teaches us hope and the promise of a new heaven and earth. We are responsible to teach these things to our generation and the next when the word says that there's a crop to be harvested, to take the good news to the world and make disciples of all, that is teaching, teaching, teaching. Now you know. All right, this brings us to the close of another episode. Next month, part five of the individual relationship and at least two more offices. Until then, may God bless you. And keep you. May he keep sickness and disease far from you and your family. Blessings, my friend. Thank you for listening to today's teaching. If you would like more information about our podcast and subject matter, or if you would like to leave a comment, go to godslovelanguage.com. Or you may email Joe at jnlow at godslovelanguage.com. 